friends, you are now listening to the DGen Aussie Apes, bringing you another weekly session on all things crypto and NFTs. Let's go. It's the money. GM, GM, stable shaman in the house. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I really like that the lo-fi intro. That's lots of fun. It's all right. <laughs> it really sets a vibe. I feel. I feel like. You sort of see everyone's heads sort of bob. Yeah. And it's a real cruisy vibe. I love the intro, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we changed it up a bit, actually. We used to, uh, it was only three DJ and Aussie apes, but the crew's been expanding. So we've changed the intro a bit. But um, Stable Shaman, man, thanks so much for popping on into the uh, DJ and HQ. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, jo- uh, John just invited me around. Pretty excited. It's been awesome, like, seeing the space. I love all like the different hustles you've got going on, especially the the honey. That's probably <laughs> I'm a huge honey lover, so uh, it was awesome to taste that. It was really delicious, by the way, guys. Really bullish on the on the DJ Aussie honey. That's it, man, guys. You know we're uh, okay bears. We're bears deluxe, producing a bit of honey D in the DJ house. Um, yeah, it just started off uh, as a hobby about a year ago with the one hive. Six hives later, man, I tell you, I have been stung so many times honestly i think in the last 12 months maybe about 30 stings bro there was a it was about an eight day period where i got stung five times and does it it get better or or worse no it like you know honestly it just really depends where you get stung so if i had to put it on a pain scale of one to ten shin ten yeah ten really oh my my god i don't know what it was I got stung on the shin, I ice pack, lied down. After about an hour, I went to get up, man, and I couldn't step on my leg. It was what? excruciating. Um, under the, oh, I got stung under my eye, like on the eye bag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people like, I'll be like, I got stung on the eye, and they're like, oh, you got stung on the eyeball. I'm like, you know what I mean? In the eye area, yeah. in the eye bag. That wasn't too bad. Really? That wasn't too bad. I guess. Um, I'll probably give that a six out of ten. The hands. Hands hurt. Yeah. That's about a nine. I think it's anywhere where there's not much meat. Yeah. I think, and, and we've got nerve endings and stuff like that. But it was enough to give me a certain level of PTSD when it comes to bee stings. And funnily enough, I found out, which I didn't know before, because like anything, this is a journey in my life. Yeah. Bees, if you piss them off, remember you for a few days. Yeah, right. So... It wasn't too long ago I went into the hives. I took some honey out because we're harvesting right now. Um, And in Sydney, you just take. Tip for beekeepers out there, you just take when it's harvest time. There's so much for them to produce honey. Uh, Anyways, I went – so I don't change, obviously, where the hives are. So I could go to the hive and we're in a bee suit. Then I will walk back to, say, the garage, check there's no bees and change. Anyways, man, I swear, I literally looked around, no bee undid the top part of my suit yeah and i just saw like a shadow go past the light yeah i looked up man and i saw this bee at the roof with its bum pointing towards me yeah and it stung me (laughs) on the tip of my nose bro unbelievable but uh yeah we do crazy stuff at dejan hq man much like yourself i mean you're a very busy guy uh we got the chief of vibes from bear announce here at the moment which I'm super excited to discuss uh, bear nouns. I hope I'm pronouncing yeah, that yeah. right. Um, you know, because we all know about ENSs guys, but you know, bear nouns are doing something a bit different. 
I mean, you are the co-founder of Decay Audio, a collective which showcases experimental electronic music and artists with a focus on diverse representation and inclusivity. Yeah, awesome. I guess uh, I'll go over, yeah, I'd love to chat about all those things. And then I've also got a bit of stuff on, because I recently started in a more sort of institutional role, I guess you could say, but... And I have, I've got a lot of thoughts on that since starting there. My sort of perspective, I think, has shifted heaps on that. But I think I'll, that's a bit more serious, so I'll leave that uh, towards the end. Bear Announce, connected to Bong Bears, which is probably my, like, favourite NFT community that I sort of found. I find in Web3, there's certain things that you might get involved with because you think they're going to, like, blow up pretty quickly or you get involved because you're sort of, like, bought on this hype train. Uh, <laughs> Bong Bears was the one thing that I got involved with just because... I thought it was funny as hell, like bears, bears smoking weed is just really dumb. <laughs> and the community was like, it says a lot about community management and growth because I think the strongest part about the community is that it never grew. The, the sort of core group of people that were first involved with it just sort of hung around and there was no marketing. So the community never really grew beyond that. And it was pretty much like all of the volume was people in the community swapping NFTs with each other or like buying, bargaining to buy more off each other. There was very few sort of outside entrants. And you think that would be really negative for growth. And it is, but it meant that there's this like really core group of the community and they're all aligned on like making sure that the integrity and the sort of values that you develop over time are really close like everyone spends lots of time chatting in voice chat rather than over text Mm -hmm. it's kind of like especially anything more serious like has to happen over voice and then text is pretty much just doing copy pastas or shit talking and i think that's it's kind of rare to have that uh talking in voice especially in big group calls frequently in web3 and i think that sort of aspects of the community really made it somewhere to hang out and it wasn't focused on like how do we get more people here it was like a sort of hangout spot of anything else that was going on in web three i'd like go into this community and it's like just people like half the time there's just someone sitting in their stone like watching a movie (laughs) and like streaming the movie in or like for a period it was just guys playing call of duty And I just, every day I would join and there's just a bunch of guys like playing Call of Duty and yelling at each other, but they're streaming it. Yeah, I think it's like a good example of where you're actually focused on creating a community and a place to hang out instead of just the, how do we make number go up? And I think that there's going to be a lot more of that, especially in this sort of bear market. People are going to have to gravitate around like what's important to them. Like what do they find funny? What type of people do they like hanging around? And you'll see these communities built on that rather than communities at the moment, which I feel like are much more focused on like, where where are the numbers going up yeah i think like you said it's it's super cool because one thing i love about that is the communities like these small niche communities that can actually make weight we always look at nft projects and we've spoken about it on a few podcasts one thing we look for in a project you know it could be artwork but community is definitely up there on the list and what's more cooler than bears smoking bongs <laughs> possibly eating honey at the same time <laughs> community is is key we spend so much time in the Twitters, in the discords and all that. Do you feel there's the, much of a disconnect from the Web3 world in that normal world? I mean, we can sit here and appreciate so much on beer smoking bongs. We can say, you know, the Floors 3 ETH guys, super community, we're super bullish on it. And we say this mumbo jumbo just to the everyday person. Do you feel there's a large disconnect? Yeah, I think, and we were chatting about that a little bit before. I think it's it's really important to like keep things in, in perspective. You don't want to be too caught up in like yeah, <laughs> pricing things in ETH and you don't want to, especially I found last year, I was way too wrapped up in uh, Twitter and Discord to the extent that I kind of lost a lot of perspective of what was important like 
day to day, I wasn't exercising enough, eating badly. And you can get, you can get really sucked into these like hype machines because that's what they're all, all designed to do is like get you involved, keep you engaged, which is a good thing, but you definitely need to keep things into perspective. I saw a really great analogy that was talking about it, like Plato's cave. I don't know if you guys know uh, the really sort of classic story of these guys living in a cave and all they see is like the shadows being projected on the wall in front of them from people in the real world walking past and they never get to really experience the real world. And like one guy goes out there, experiences the real world, comes back, tries to say, hey, there's like a whole world out there. And they're, they're too scared because they're just they're happy sitting there looking at the projections on the cave. And I think that the internet can be a bit like that in that it's this like image of what's happening in the real world, but you need to keep the, the, real, the real world in, into perspective and you don't want to get lost just mm. looking at the, the cave paintings on the wall. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I love that. John, we've got John at the table. Yeah. Welcome, what, sir. No, thanks for having me, guys. Stable shaman, the one and only. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, we've been vibing. Oh, 100%. It's hard not to vibe with this guy. You know, like on the boat party as well, like you brought the vibes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I... I had that as my... Um, I really liked the, I think it was a Canva employee or something like that I saw and their term was like chief vibe manager or like vibe officer or something like that. And I was like, I love that title so much because, and that's sort of where I got the, the name Shaman from is read this book about Central American belief systems and they have this like, they have big belief in like vibes. They have a word for it that's like Nagua, which is the energy that connects everything. And they basically talk about how like when you see something and you just get that like really good feeling about it. It, it's very meaningful and I, I'm a big believer in that like sometimes it's like when you're evaluating projects or like when you meet people there's this like unexplainable feeling of like this is the right thing mm-hmm. and yeah I'm a big believer that you can you should like chase that yeah 100% yeah, we had Zenik on the podcast as well he's the chief zen officer <laughs> yeah. as well so you're gonna see some interesting like titles pop up in this space you know like I wouldn't be surprised if people put DGEN on their LinkedIn bio or stuff like that. I I think I have DGEN in my head. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it on yours because I was having a look before. It's just like the names. I mean, we say some of the names to people and they're like, what? And I'm like, man, that guy's worth a bit of a bucket. You know what I mean? It's uh, I love it. It's one of the things I truly love about Web3 is that in Web3, bong bears can be successful. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? The most successful thing ever. You know, it's just... Crazy. It's like when I was uh, with just what recently happened with the Board APO Club and the yeah. sewer pass and, you know, the whole story of Jimmy the monkey. And I was trying to explain it to people like, yeah. you know, the normies will call them or the muggles, mm. as some people <laughs> might say. And I was saying, you know, well, it's going to be minimum, say, four or $5,000 entry cost to basically ride a motorcycle down a monkey's anus uh, while you dodge things, collecting <laughs> points. And the winner won some, what, how much did he sell the key for? 999 ETH? No, 1,000 ETH. So someone bid. Right. So the CEO of 9Gag bid 999 <laughs> ETH, a YOLO. So Voxel Blaze actually <laughs> was, in a, was in a conversation with him. And he said, oh, YOLO, I'll just bid 999 ETH. But he actually accepted a 1,000 ETH offer. So, and uh, that's probably what two and a half million Australian something <laughs> Maybe like not that. Seven weeks? In, no, not even thirty days. Thirty Spons. days. So even that's a better. pro Fortnite player, and you know I'm sure everyone is across the story. Like my normie friends aren't, but you know <laughs> to basically turn a ten. I think they bought the pass for maybe seven ETH, ten ETH, or something like that. From ten ETH to a thousand ETH, you're not going to get those gains anywhere <laughs> no. else, like out of the Web three space. That's insane. For a, a key that no one knows what the hell it does either, which is crazy. We don't know what it yeah. unlocks yet. I mean, he. I was reading about him, and I think in four years being a professional Fortnite player, he made about seven hundred K. And then in thirty days, you've. <laughs> it, I just speechless, guys. Do not discount Web three, guys. Trust me. 
But, I mean, Shaman, please tell us a bit more about Berenouns. I mean, is this a competitor for ENS? Uh, we know there's you have your own chain. Yeah, so Berenouns is the name service, and I've been helping out with setting the vibe for the community. Uh, ENS has this kind of problem where almost all of the domain names are held by people speculating because it's really cheap to grab an ENS domain. And so people are kind of incentivized to buy thousands of them and, and they can they can get their money back just by selling a couple for a decent price. So they actually don't ever want to sell them because as soon as they start selling them for reasonable prices, then their big stack of ENSs isn't worth as much. So like they'll be holding like heaps of people's names and business names and stuff like that, basically holding it for ransom in the hopes that one or two of them will sell for a lot of money. Yeah. You're insulting me right now, but yeah, <laughs> go ahead. No, I, I think... I, I've I'll, got one too that I did that for as well. No, yes. I think... No, but that, the thing is... Um, have, you, market, have you done that yourself? Uh, yeah, I've mostly been going after like Australian government. I think I've got Australian Electoral Commission. Uh, like <laughs> a couple of those. I think that's really important. Like that's the thing I definitely want to emphasize. People have this idea that if you're speculating, it's wrong. But the reality is, is like those are the people that are going to chuck it in their bio. They're going to be the people telling you to use ENS. Like it's, that's where all the marketing comes from. It's like mm. they buy it a lot and then to shield their own bags, they're going to be selling them. But the, the issue I guess we wanted to address is that if you're doing that, you want a lot of the money to be reflected back into the chain. And so in its sort of current state, it's a bit hard because people can buy them and then sell them on the open market, but none of that open market fee goes back to the ENS DAO. And also if there's like a ENS that's really valuable, like Coca-Cola, Sprite or something, I'm sure those are worth like really hefty amounts of money. None of the value of that goes back to the ENS DAO. It's just like just in the speculators. So ideally you want a situation where it's good for speculators. They're still able to buy it, make returns except maybe like a decent amount of a fee on the transaction goes back to the ENS DAO or the really desirable ones that are worth heaps have a higher registration fee. And we're sort of experimenting with stuff like that because it's, yeah, it's, it's a fine balance of how do you make sure that people can still buy their name for not too much money, they can't have it stolen from them. And also it's a fun environment for like speculators to be mm. shilling the names and making returns on them as well. I like it. There's a, I just found out the other day that there's a nouns naming service and they forked ENS and basically it's got the dot noun goggle as the extension. <laughs> and then there was the dot soul, there's the dot harmony, there's the dot tazos. Like there's only dot kongs. Oh, that's it's, everything. It's just stupid the amount of like kind of ENS kind of forks that have coming out. Uh, unstoppable domains. Like I haven't really looked into any of these. Have you done kind of competitive analysis? Like what else is, is anything even remotely close to? ENS or is that kind um, of a clear market leader? I think and we haven't even I haven't even looked at alternative ones on Ethereum. ENS is just like the obvious. I can't imagine anyone using. Mm. I, w I would never consider using anything but a dot ETH. <laughs> just it just seems like the it's the standard everyone's familiar with. If someone sent me an address that wasn't dot ETH, I would be like, "Are you sure this is for Ethereum?" Like then I'd mm. need to look into it and like <laughs> it becomes pretty complicated because we're launching yeah it's it's launching on a new chain so it's going to be a different uh, it's going to be like the name service for that chain bit of a different different environment we're sort of like we were talking about whether like whether we just use emojis rather than names or something like that because we thought it makes really good meme marketing mm. but then it's it's that it's sort of up in the air and I think a lot of it will end up going to a sort of community vote at some point in the future having those point of differences is really important uh ENS was one of the first and we always know what happens with the first you know they capture the market but I think you touched on a really important point and that was you know 
fees and things coming back to the business or to the chain to make it sustainable. I think a major issue and what's become prevalent in this bear market is a lot of companies weren't thinking about like, like for example, coins dropping. We always say, well, what about the liquidity? You know, how's that going to be sustainable? ApeCoin sustainable because it's the Board Ape Yacht Club. Yeah. Um, so many other native tokens have fallen, all this type of stuff. So I, I really believe and I'm bullish on the fact that, you know, the chains have to be fed because we need to employ people to run things. We need to innovate. We need, that's employees as well. Yeah, ENS, there are a lot of people stacking. I mean, we know people personally, they stack a lot of ENS domains, mm. their strategy, how they invest, that's fine. But yeah, I think that's yeah, a really important um, point. Because when ENS came out in 2017, like it came out quite a few years ago, right? Yeah, and that's a, a lot of sort of discourse around it. But I think in, especially in Ethereum, like the ecosystem is so big now that like any really big DAO just becomes like a government and like make a DAO or something like that. And it just becomes so frustratingly slow to deal with. And it's mm. good because it means that like they make decisions that are well thought out. But yeah, anything that's like an effective DAO just ends up this really slow government that just makes really slow, boring decisions. <laughs> yeah, everything gets clogged. Yeah. And in it's the system. Exactly. And that's that's kind of the kind of the point. And there's some people trying to address things like that. But I think the reality is is if it's if you can act quickly, then it makes it really easy to take advantage and extract value and stuff like that. Whereas with a million checks and balances, it kind of stops people from drifting as much. Well, just on that, we had Dow Master Dan uh, talk about, and we asked about DAOs on the podcast, and we actually asked him, what do you think is a good example of a DAO? And he actually said nothing in its current iteration. <laughs> <laughs> so would you agree with that sentiment? Like, what do you think the best DAO is at this point in time? Uh, Make a DAO is my favorite example because even with its USDC, you know, treasury. Yeah, yeah. Even even though they're pretty... The way I see DAI is that it's like a wrapper on your USDC so that it can't get frozen. And yeah, they could freeze all of it, but I don't think they're going to freeze the entire of MakerDAO. But they can't freeze your DAI. Um, so that's like a layer of protection. And then you're also sort of protected because it's not all backed by USDC, even though most of it is. And I think in the future, they'll keep keep diversifying. But in terms of the fact that there's a lot of like interesting discussion that happens on their forums. There's like input from lots of different people and they kind of come to solutions and decisions uh, in a vaguely decentralized way. I haven't actually looked at how, how concentrated the tokens are. I'm sure if I looked into it, there's probably about four people that make all the, all the voting decisions, mm. but at least like ideas are considered. In most of them, I find, especially I got a bit jaded last year working with some DAOs. You just realize that it's pretty much just as centralized as a company you just end up proposing things in a way that's attractive to the community, which is kind of scary. Like I found myself writing governance proposals and I sort of knew what decision had already been made uh, by the team. And it's like, how do we write this in a way that the community will vote for it? And it's like the same thing happens in government and everything, but it's just not the best necessarily. And it's never autonomous either, right? Yeah, like exactly. It's always someone, you know, who's updating a line of code or implementing a change, unless it's a protocol like nouns, right? Where yeah. it actually is automated. Yeah, just back to a previous point you mentioned about stable coins. What stable coins can be censored or frozen or blacklisted? Do you know off the top of your um, head? I know that USDC has that sort of baked in because of yep. regulations. I don't think Tether does. So Tether does as well. So you can actually blacklist addresses from Tether, oh, okay. uh, which, which forbids them from transferring. So you're so called 
decentralized cryptocurrency can actually be frozen. Uh. Tether actually has a fee mechanism built into it. So like a fee oh, switch, really? like swap. Yeah, like it's, if you read wow, through bullish, the contract. bullish on that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, you know, as shitcoin maxis, like hopefully we don't wake up one day and there's a 99%, you know, yeah, transfer just, fee on crazy. Tether. But they've added that in from, because Tether didn't even used to be a, you know, built on top of ETH. It didn't yeah. used to be an ERC-20 token. It was actually built on top of Bitcoin through Omni. So yeah. just thought I'd jump in on that. I think DAI is only one of the, one of the only coins which doesn't have a freeze or blacklist function. So you can still transfer your DAI, you know, even if regardless of what happens. Whereas Tether's blacklisted people, USDC has frozen addresses in the case of a ha- uh, a hack or a scam. I almost said ham, but yeah, that's... Um, <laughs> I think like there's other... There's a couple of smaller stable coins that don't get much attention at all. That's like where my name comes from. People are uninformed stable shaman. I was just like obsessed with stable coins last year. Which smaller caps are you interested in? I'd say I like them because they're weird designs, not necessarily because that design is actually going to be useful. Mm. Um, there's one called UXD, which is like made up of Delta neutral by making like the coin is made up of a short and long position so that it has equal value. The problem with that is it doesn't scale because there's not that many opportunities to take those types of positions, but it's interesting because it, it should stay, stay stable. Then there's like, there's one called Dollar, D-O-L-L-A. Yeah, I've seen that And one. they're like, they're really interesting. They're like trying to be a decentralized like reserve bank where they can just like mint and unmint this stable coin at will. But then there's really strict times at which they'll like let people do that so they tend to mint them like into lending pools so people can then borrow them out and then it kind of becomes collateralized by what the person's put into the pool but when it gets minted into the pool it's not collateralized so it's just kind of making money out of nowhere and then when like things get hard they end up like unminting from these pools and i think that's a really interesting approach because it's really close to how like the federal reserve works but then eventually they want to start automating a lot of those functions and i i always like joking that like if you (laughs) if you had an AI running the reserve bank, then all dollars would become algorithmic stable coins. <laughs> but yeah, dollars really cool. UXD is pretty cool. Liquidity, which is like backed by staked ETH, I think is pretty interesting. LQTY? Yeah. yeah. Rye is one of my favorites. Uh, Reflexor? Is, yeah, Reflexor. I almost was going to do some community stuff for them at one point. I thought they were really, really awesome. But it's basically just ETH, but less volatile because it's not actually pegged to the dollar. It's um, normally sits around $3, but they basically have this like really crazy system of like adjusting rates based on the demand for the token to make it sit around sort of $3, but it's actually a sort of floating price. And then the price just auto adjusts using this like different maths. It's basically applying the maths that a drone uses to level itself uh, or a heat controller and using that on the price. So the maths that's used to like control aircon and keep it at a steady uh, temperature, it's using that like sort of stabilizing maths on on price. I know that sounds like really crazy. It's not as not as crazy as it sounds, but it's pretty interesting. People are so smart. Well, the craziest (laughs) is curve. Like what are your thoughts on kind of the curve wars? Curve's really complicated because I think that having a massive stablecoin liquidity dex is is awesome it's obviously got a massive use case of like people need to be able to swap stables and then if they start branching out into other stuff it's interesting i think it's also interesting because they have kind of thought through how to use their token in an interesting way more so than uniswap and a lot of the other exchanges in that yeah you gather fees from the lps and then there's a good way of like 
directing that stuff in an interesting way. And, and I think it's a good example of how governance can be a bit more interesting than, hey, we all vote on a proposal because it's like every individual user picks their decision and you don't need this like unanimous decision. It's all sort of free market actors. The parts that I don't like is that the, the valuation's absolutely crazy. Like if you do, if you do the maths on how long uh, the amount of revenue they get will add up to anything reasonable it's like thousands of years before they start i don't know the exact numbers but like the amount of money they bring in versus how much it's worth and how much people have spent on all these curve tokens is just like not super reasonable it's basically banking on the fact that curve becomes like the de facto exchange of DeFi, and which i think how most of crypto works like people bet on it being the winning thing that's you have the same thing with a lot of the layer ones but i think it's still yeah really interesting protocol to look at and I like that their design is straight from the 90s as well, even though most people absolutely hate the Curve website. <laughs> it's, it's like super vintage. It feels like you're logging into a computer from the 90s. Uh, there's a few <laughs> DeFi protocols which added, like you can play Doom, Minesweeper, like just all this useless yeah. you know, stuff on the front end. But I, I love, love that it. stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just on top of Curve as well, like you've got Convex Finance, you've got Butterfly. Like how familiar are you with those Curve Wars? We've got to do an entire episode on that mm. because... You know, there's bribes going on behind the scenes and people like trying to get the highest yield by providing liquidity for smaller stable coins. So it's this crazy, super competitive market with way too much liquidity. Right? Yeah, like I'll, it's I'll try and give like a really, a really quick rundown of, of it <laughs> as briefly as I can. But essentially what I was saying before with the Curve governance token, with Curve, you can vote for a pool and with your vote, it, in, it increases the, the governance emissions. So the, every, every little while they're, they're printing these curve uh, governance tokens into pools as rewards for people providing LP. And with your curve tokens, you can pick which pools get the rewards. So if I've got a whole bunch of curve tokens, I'm going to put all the rewards to the one that I'm in so that then I get those curve rewards. And what people sort of realized was if we're all doing this separately, the rewards are really fractured. Why don't we all band together and then direct the rewards at our own token and then it will mean that we get really deep liquidity. So tokens go and they open a pool. So like Frax will have a pool and then they'll buy a bunch of Curve and direct it all at the, the Frax pool. Then all these different protocols start doing that. And then Convex is the really famous example of the longer you agree to lock your Curve for, the better your voting power is. Um, but then obviously you can't sell it, you're locked in. So what Convex did was they said, hey, how about we lock the curve uh, forever and then give you this Convex token that you can now trade. So essentially it's like liquid, but it's locked. And then you vote through the Convex thing, which seems way better because now you get the power of voting as though it's going to um, be locked forever, but you can buy and sell out of it. And I have some thoughts on that in that you are giving up a certain level of the control over the token. And for example, if all of the curve went into convex, then you, you are sort of trusting the convex team to make decisions and they can influence the way you're allowed to vote a little bit. And so that's like sort of the risk, the risk on side of it. Yeah, the redacted guys, similar sort of play. I actually know Sammy. He's an absolute awesome dude. Uh, I met him at uh, ETCC, who's the one of the founding redacted guys. I'm pretty sure he's the founder. Have to, have to double check that. Probably should know. He's really smart with those kind of governance plays. They've just done one recently for GMX as well. Similar with GMX, the longer you lock your token, the better rewards you get. And they're doing this like liquid uh, locked rewards program. Yeah, the whole the whole crux of the Curves Wars is this like mercenary liquidity. So if I can get the most of the curve governance, then I can send all the liquidity to my stablecoin. 
and then you earn more fees and earn better LP off it. But I think the values seem absolutely crazy high, like I was talking about before. But I still think it's an interesting... Um, it's interesting watching all the different players fight it out and it starts looking so much like politics I find when you get all these DAOs trying to own each other mm. or like banding together to try and accomplish something similar. It's a really cool space to watch. Love that. I love this space. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, you dropped a huge it. bit of alpha there. Uh, HCC. <laughs> when did you go? Was that last year you went to HCC or? Yeah, yeah. It was It was pretty... Um, Explain to the audience what HCC is, who you met there and like where it's held. Yeah, so that was... Uh, this was at Paris. It's just like a big... Ethereum community conference. Then there's all these like satellite events. Uh, all the big protocols end up having parties there. It's in. It's it's very mixed for Ethereum conferences. I had a strong idea of what I thought it would be like, and in some ways it was exactly like that. In other ways, it was really really different. I found it very hard to sort of find like-minded people that were in the space. I find a lot of the bigger events are flooded with people trying to invest or people that. Uh, just kind of curious about the space but not super involved and then other little nuggets of the event like little side parties and stuff it was the opposite of like all these sort of builders and people really directly involved thing that struck me the most was it's just it's really weird hanging out with people that you kind of know from twitter and then you just meet them in person and Mm. sometimes they're exactly like you expect and you get on with them so well like sammy and the redacted guys i just remember as soon as I met them, it was like I was like with my homies back home almost. Just the vibe was so uh, on point. And like William X, who was uh, OG founder of like Debt Down, he's a really good builder in the space. Like absolutely love him as well. Big homie of mine. I met a couple of the MIM guys. Magic Internet Money. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another interesting stable coin. And then like I went to Danny. Danny had a party, um, like a Wonderland MIM party. And like I think... <laughs> For people that don't know, and I might go into that a little bit later, uh, Decay is like this rave music group that I throw and do a bit of DJing on the side. And so I spend a lot of time like planning out how to make events good and you don't make much money. Like we lose money on a lot of the parties we throw. You think like, oh, these throwing an event like this will mint cash. But most of the time, if you're booking a good DJ, you'll barely break even because it's just that competitive. There were so many parties at ETHCC where I was like, far out, I wish I had this kind of money to throw a party because you go there and you know they're spending like hundreds and thousands of dollars, but it's a terrible party. And I just remember like thinking, oh my God, all this money is being burnt. Most extreme example was someone had booked out like somewhere in the Garden of the Louvre. So that's like one of the most famous <laughs> art museums in the whole world. And there was like platters with ham and truffles and then like these giant platters of cheese like it was just straight pecoroni in on a platter like the size of tennis balls that you were meant to like pick up and bite into and i was like this is the most rogue like (laughs) bougie bar snacks i've ever seen in my life like i don't (laughs) don't feel comfortable just biting into a giant chunk of pecorino (laughs) while i'm trying to talk to people but like kind of respect it and i was sitting there like drinking champagne that was they were paying for eating these like truffles and ham and i was like i don't even know what protocol this is or like what this event's for i just came for the like (laughs) to hang out with people and meet people and i was like this is just investor money being burnt because Mm. i I know i was asking around i was like does anyone know which protocol this is no one no one one else chatting to you and i was just like i was like wow people just because you're in these group chats and someone just goes hey we're all at this spot and then you all like rush over there and but yeah, I think that the the well thought out events were really cool. Like the redacted party was like a, a boat party and they did this like NFT auction. So it was like a live auction, but they were selling NFTs and people are like bidding their live 
and they sort of connected up with this local art crew. So it was actually like kind of interesting digital art. And so then that not everyone that was there was just these Web3 people. It was kind of people from the art scene as well. So it felt more like a cool, interesting party as opposed to, I remember that Dai, so MakerDAO had a big party and it was awesome. They had a really good venue, like really good DJ and drinks were hectic, but it was just like, it was really hot inside. And also I find that most of the people at the Web3 events just want to chat to each other. So there's this like blaring music. The DJ's like cranking some like insane dance music. There's lights and lasers everywhere. And you just see people trying to talk to each other right on the dance floor, like huddled up. Yeah, yelling it's so common, them. isn't it? <laughs> it really Are is. you longing ET? Like <laughs> it's like, guys, you, you should have booked. I'm really, I really think that we should have like crypto events at a jazz bar or something like that or like mm. a shisha lounge. I think that's just a more appropriate setting. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> sit around the shisha chatting. Like mm. people want to sit and chat and like, mm. I don't know, have some snacks while they're doing it. They don't want to be like... I think the issue is every event is sort of getting like that where, all right, it's every now and then throwing a mad party, have a drink, you know, mad, you know, let's dance. Having other events where it is a bit more intimate, a bit more, you know, just have a chat and I think yeah. that's really important. I went yeah. to a, uh, after an NFT event uh, last year, I went to, like, we just kicked on and that was at Frankie's Pizza back when that was open in yeah. Sydney. For anyone who doesn't know, it's like there's metal bands, it's dark, like everyone lost their voice the next day. We yeah, had a group chat off. around that, but it was just like, yeah, it does go off. It's it's closed down now, but yeah, yeah like realistically, um, yeah, you've, you've got to have that level of discussion because you got to consider a lot of people in crypto and Web3 are nerds, right? Like they, they, they'd they rather meet at a library than yeah. like a nightclub, right? So yeah. it's not the best fit, but then they do want to show off the parties on social media and yeah, like all that kind of stuff, so... It's a weird mixture, like, and I've some. It's a space that I've been. I think Dave Good has got a really good like handle on it. His parties, I think it's called Future Art. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. Art, we're helping him out. out with that, so that's going to be really awesome this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, he's like, because I was chatting to him about this as well. It's like my friends that are all the artists that I have connections with through Decay. Like they don't want to touch Web three because they see it as like this. The really hardcore artists they kind of hate money and and don't want to commercialize themselves or don't have that desire to like really hustle to make money. I find like all the artists I really love because they're just obsessed with the craft. Showing them this thing which the public perception is, and I think it's kind of correct. It's like oh these guys are just like gambling and <laughs> and like speculating on on new technology. That it's like the opposite of what an artist normally wants to be associated with. And then you stack on like this now outdated perceptions of oh, it's bad for the environment and it's scams and stuff. And it's like they just don't want to touch it with a ten foot pole. Mm. And it's sad because I see that it's going to be a really massive. Uh, source of revenue for artists because I think especially in music people actually want to spend money on artists that they like like mm. you see now people are buying records like people love going to concerts they'll spend like ridiculous amounts of money on a VIP ticket to a concert imagine if you could just I don't know buy some Taylor Swift NFT that you can flex on Instagram and it shows that you're a super fan like people mm. People will just want to buy something to show that they like the artist and want the money to go to the artist. And there's just not many avenues for that to happen. Well, um, even less now that Instagram removed NFTs or they're, they're winding <laughs> that down. Did you see really? that news yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Mark, someone made a joke about Meta rebranding back to Facebook because they're stepping out of the metaverse. <laughs> but um, yeah, those Taylor Swift concert tickets were crazy. I think the highest one sold for $31,000. Like, oh, it's crazy. When did you first step into Web3 and crypto and... How did that journey sort of start? Because to go to into stables, so deep into stables, I mean, there must have been a journey behind all that. I've got a pretty um, strong thesis of where I think the industry is going. And, um, but I basically originally, when I was really young, just like nerd on the internet, 
heard about Bitcoin. I'm pr- I remember like when I was probably 14 or 15 sneaking into like a startup hub um, and like bringing cash to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> I like, I can't, I think I had to print off a wallet or something like that. And I had like a QR code wallet and I like snuck into this co-working space like I literally followed someone when the doors opened and then like went up the lift with them <laughs> because that was like the only Bitcoin ATM that was open in Sydney at the time was like inside this co-working space. And I remember I was sitting in the coffee room, this co-working space in my school uniform, feeding my pocket money into this <laughs> Bitcoin ATM. And the CEO like of the Bitcoin ATM company came up to me and was like, what are you doing here? And I remember talking to him. And I was like, so he, I remember him giving me his business card and I was so scared that I was going to like get caught or get in trouble for it that I just like chuck out the business card. As soon as I, as soon as, he was like, what are you doing here? I was like, oh, investing in Bitcoin. And he's like, <laughs> obviously like kept asking me all these questions. And I thought like I was going to get in trouble for sneaking mm. into this place. I didn't realize like guy was probably trying to hire me or something. But um, <laughs> I remember- the company? Do you remember? Uh, or I, think still was, around? I think it was just called Australian Bitcoin ATMs or something. Uh, they had one in- in like Martin Place and then yeah, one in Tankstream Labs, which is the one that I went to. A lot of them have shut down just because no one's using them. Yeah, then from there, I kind of, in 2017, I was trading a lot. I reached a point where I'd made, it felt like I had infinite money for that age because I was going to the end of school and I think I made like 20 grand or something like that and it just felt like I'd made it big. I felt like a millionaire. Was Except, this on ICOs or just like um, your big caps, Bitcoin, Litecoin, all those 2017? I made a lot on NEO. Because oh, I saw it, I saw it when it was Ant shares, and I was like, "Oh, Chinese Ethereum is a really good narrative." Yeah. <laughs> and um, what was that? That was like eighty six cents up yeah. to one hundred and fifty dollars. Like, yeah. it was stupid crazy. Yeah, and then um, I still actually held a Neo bag until like <laughs> like twenty twenty one or something like that, because I just like kept some of it in there. But when I was trading, I just didn't sleep at all, so that was like not sustainable for me at all. Like, I was literally glued to charts, not sleeping. And it just wasn't worth it. So I was kind of like, I need to stop doing this. And then that sort of coincided. Luckily, I got my money out before everything uh, sort of collapsed, but sort of vowed that I wouldn't get that level of addicted to looking at charts again. So when things were picking up again recently, and it was like sort of started with like, I think it was Iron Finance that wrote me back in. My friend showed me this thing. It was like 400 APY. And I was like, what is this? This has got to be a scam. Like, <laughs> And what did Mark Cuban lose on that? Like 10 mil? Yeah. yeah. And then I remember thinking like, okay, like obviously something's going on here. I need to have a look. And I got really interested in um, stable coins because I kind of think that, that cryptocurrency is awesome for settling payments, but you can't really use it because the price changes so quickly. And I think that that's like the really obvious thing stopping people from wanting to use it to actually pay for stuff is that you just you want to hold on to it because you think it's going to go up or you don't want it because you think it's going to go down and i saw stable coins like really obvious solution to that and for any other adoption like that's the problem that needs to be solved first and anything like built in DeFi or anything that's going to grow the ecosystem also relies on there being more stable coins because that's just sort of how unless you're buying nfts which are denominated in eth but still people normally price stuff in stable coins a lot. And I sort of think that, and this is maybe like a controversial take. I actually think we're quite a long way off people in developed countries getting a lot of use out of DeFi and, and crypto. But I think that it's going to be huge for people in countries that can't trust their banks. So that's, and that's the example I always give. If someone's like, oh, crypto, it has no use case. You go like, look at people in Turkey, Argentina. Um, Lebanon met, recently. Yeah, and, and it's like, if you are scared that the government might take the money out of your bank and you won't be able to access it, then even having your money in like a risky stable coin that might get hacked, it's probably 
some of the safer stable coins are probably like die or something like that it's probably still safer than the chance that you're not going to be able to get your money out of the bank so that's mm. like the one that you choose and that's like a really clear and it's like if you go anywhere you know you'll be able to access it and so all the problems that it has for us are outweighed by the fact that you're accessing the us dollar which is going to be better than your local currency a lot of the time and then also you don't have to worry about it being stolen it's a little bit more secure and i think that that sort of is going to be revolutionary in that once people start picking it up using it for payments then they're going to start accessing all the rest of the financial instruments through that so i don't think DeFi is going to be competing with banks for a very long time because you can't beat centralization for speed like everything that speeds something up uh, everything that makes something more decentralized to a certain extent is going to slow it down but in terms of being able to trust something and access it globally, that's when decentralization is massive. And so, yeah, I sort of think that stable coins in developing countries are going to grow to the point that they're this massive industry. And then traditional banking is just going to be forced to integrate with it because it's like, oh, there's literally like millions of people in developing countries with these stable coin accounts. Like if we don't start in- interacting with them, then like another bank will and we just need to. Mm. <laughs> it just becomes like too big uh, of an obvious trading partner to ignore. Well, no one wants to be the Nokia anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, um, the more we're talking, I'm just more and more bullish on the stable <laughs> point because it solves, it does solve a lot of problems. Well, you, you don't know? want to be the guy who bought, um, you know, Bitcoin Pizza Day, whatever his name yeah. is, 10,000 <laughs> Bitcoins for a pizza. Like it was, you know, it's a milestone in the crypto community, but that's, if not, it's already worth billions of dollars. Like yeah. it could be, ridiculous i think it's only worth a, a few hundred million you know not billions but yeah. it'll be billions one day right so you don't you don't want to make that mistake uh so stable coins like i i actually sold some terra luna for ust yeah. and then i bought a gift card on amazon and i bought some christmas gifts i bought some underwear and thankfully i cashed that out right because yeah. that went to zero but it's um yeah like i think people are forgetting the currency aspect of cryptocurrency yeah like it's not people aren't buying goods or services with it Bitcoin ATMs aren't really being used. Like they're a bit of a meme. I think that I was chatting to some guys in um, in Melbourne that were making money off off their ATMs. So I think there is like a little sliver of the market somewhere that's using them. But I think in general, the sort of, because there's heaps of them in America as well. Like there's mm. Bitcoin ATMs. I was in San Francisco last year and there's like a Bitcoin ATM on every block almost. Oh, wow. Um, which is crazy. I was like, who is using these? But obviously there must be like people. Must be people, demand. Yeah. It's hard to keep those sorts of use cases in perspective. And I always do this where like I'm on Twitter and I think like that's crypto when really most most of like the users of cryptocurrency aren't on Twitter, aren't on Reddit. They like download Binance or Coinbase and they just buy stuff based on like the token and going on the website, which is so foreign to us. Like we can't even fathom buying something with, without like hearing it from someone else, like checking like looking into the devs or something like there's all this other background research that you just think is essential, but people just don't, yeah, people don't care though. And that's like, and I always try and work this out. It's like, where are those people getting their information and where are they learning stuff? So like every time I chat to someone that owns cryptocurrency, I'm just like, oh, so like, where do you hold it? They're like Binance. I'm like, where do you get your info? And they're like YouTube videos. And I'm just like, it's unbelievable. It's Facebook. <laughs> or Facebook groups yeah, as Facebook well. Groups. Facebook groups are massive. Man, I knew someone that was saying that her husband was looking at investing in the Discord token that's coming out. And I knew <laughs> there was no Discord token. Yeah. I'd seen it on Facebook and I'm like, just an FYI, I go to Alpha from Facebook and like, yeah, it's on Facebook. Just please don't trust Facebook. Yeah. To a certain extent, like that's what's that's what's gonna be the the next waves. It's like you have to know what the average person is going to pick up without the knowledge because it's like it doesn't matter how how cool and nerdy something is uh the like masses buying into something else will just like 
just it's like Cardano is my favorite example of I cannot stand it. Uh, I said Ex- I said fuck Charles Hoskinson in my podcast. So <laughs> yeah, I, I stand by. I that can't statement. stand. I, he's like the perfect example for me of someone that pretends to be technical without any real like technical ability, and he just like sits there with his glasses on, like acting like he's a genius, but doesn't. I just I don't believe that he did anything technical in the Ethereum Foundation, I, and I don't believe like he's even really a developer. I feel like he just. Laps and like sits around and <laughs> has a teamwork. I, I fully like, believe that as well. <laughs> yeah, he just he just doesn't like. I see Vitalik speak and um and I'm like, wow, this and guy. And you can read his blogs, like you know, it's and all. He's there. like he's like literally like a leading mind in the space. And Jesus, you go like he knows he knows what's up and he's got a bit of a plan and and he he also never caters to. I think that's the it's a big thing. That's like my biggest tip of Alpha is. I always start becoming suspicious of teams if they start talking about other teams or they start like catering too much to the community. Like as soon as they're following the the whims of, I know it's meant to be decentralized and you should take on board feedback from all the members of the community. But as soon as you're just like jumping on trends and following the whims of everyone involved, it's probably because you lack this sort of direction. Whereas Vitalik, all these people will be throwing suggestions at him and he's like, no, this is like the Ethereum roadmap. We're working on that. And they, they're obviously taking suggestions from everywhere, but no one's going to be able to convince them to not work towards scaling and decentralization and this or that. They're just going to keep building based on the vision. Um, and I think that's really, really important in the space is people that kind of set their goals from the get-go and keep working towards that goal, which is actually kind of rare. A lot of people sort of get lost somewhere along mm. the way. I think it was a really interesting point about like, you know, where normies get their information from, Facebook groups like TikTok's another example and SafeMoon, you know, um, it's... You know, people who, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, you know, setting up buying these coins who don't understand tokenomics. They don't understand that if SafeMoon hints a dollar, you can have like a $38 trillion market <laughs> cap, which is bigger than oh, the entire financial system. Yeah, I think that's the only thing. Like, Obviously, we're all about decentralization, but I think that's the only sort of good thing uh, for regulation. Some of the tools we use should not be to the everyday person yeah. that sets up a MetaMask and in five seconds you're trading Everyone thinks they're like a gun trader and stuff like that. But, you know, it's real trial by fire in this market. I mean, you know, our sitting here combined, our cost of entry into our markets would have been a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird space to be in. It's like I was, I wanted my, my dad, I was, I was talking about a token to my dad. And so he wanted to buy into it. And then I realized like I've got to set up a MetaMask on his laptop and then private keys on there and i was like oh what are my other options because this is a DeFi thing it's like i didn't really have any other options um and i was just like i'm sorry i I don't really feel comfortable i don't want there to be like (laughs) even just a thousand dollars sitting on a random Mm. laptop that you might lose throw out Mm. or anything and my dad's like pretty technically competent um it's not that he's but it's just like i worry that i'm gonna lose my private keys accidentally i had a scare semi recently where i was like worried that i had been locked out of my, one of my wallets oh, just worst. from um what did i do i like uh was clearing because i have heaps of chrome profiles for all my different email addresses and i was like cleaning up my computer and i thought i deleted the chrome profile with my metamask oh. on it on one of my hot wallets mm. didn't have heaps of money on there but enough money that i was like oh god and then managed to to work it out and luckily i hadn't cleared it but i was like far that was pretty close and i almost just deleted like a couple hundred dollars <laughs> no it's it's the worst feeling i had ordinals disappear the other day and it was a glitch in hero wallet yeah like, that's 48 out. hours of like that's it it's gone thank yeah. you very much and i didn't do anything wrong i didn't click anything you know it's not my fault you know but yeah it, it gets pretty scary and when you don't have that 
competence because i mean we know what people are like it's fomo it's quickly doing things i mean I, I mean i was driving the other day and i minted an nft because i just saw an allow list drop i'm like oh, i yeah. gotta get this nft it was the real vision collective and uh, i did it so quickly pretty much you know we can act so fast just at a set of lights i've minted an nft i did it quite quick and then all of a sudden i was just like i think i did the wrong address i think i might have clicked the spam link i'm checking my, it's just anxiety that you don't need yeah, and the UI and the UX really has to go a long way because it's mm. just, you know, like I remember at one point just MetaMask, you know, like really <laughs> could have leveled up their game, you know, but like people fall for social engineering. Like there's a lot of, you know, it's because it's so, the payoff has never been higher, right? Like you could hack someone and make 100K from just an individual user if you steal their board ape or 180 million with Euler Finance, which yeah. just happened a few days ago. Like $180 million hack warrants like a team of like, you know, putting five to 10 mil, like with yeah. the devs, like pouring through every line of code. Like the stakes have never been higher. Mm. Um, and if you're a white hat, if you're a white hat, you know, you know, hacker who's looking to, you know, message the team and be like, hey, you guys made a mistake here. You could lose all your money. You, you're not going to see more than a mil, right? Like you're going to yeah. get a very small payout. Whereas if you do things unethically, the incentive is to steal all the funds, right? And just have that massive treasury wash it through a tornado and just, you know, like yeah. disappear off the face of the earth. So it's really a crazy time, like you said. Some people also just like, I've seen cases where white hat hackers point out security flaws and then just don't get paid. They, there's like on the website, there's like Bug information about bounties and then they like, and it says like dollar amounts and then they fix problems, point out problems and then the team just ghosts them. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> like They're asking to get hacked. Yeah, and it's like at that point, yeah, if you're like the white hat hacker, you just... And I, I think that happens a lot with um, the auditing platforms. I know there's a couple of good ones like Trail of Bits and Howborn and then there's Code Arena, but then there's a million more like DeFi auditing firms. There's and some I'm, you just pay a flat rate. Like Quill, there's some which are free, which yeah. is like really shocking. Mm. Um, and there's, there's some where you just pay to have that audited by... I'm going to name drop one. Quill audits, I yeah. think, is like horrendous. Like anything audited by Quill audits will probably get hacked just because they, I don't. I doubt they even read through the code. It's just a stamp that you can put on your website. And to the unsuspecting eye, it's like, oh, it's audited, it's safe. But no, it's still, even if projects can be rugs, contract not renounced, it can still be audited by Quill and, you know, verified. Yeah. Like no one reads the report. No one knows like actually what's going on. It's it's horrendous. That's like I was in a I was in a DeFi protocol. We were launching this was around around the sort of Olympus time. And oh is it KYC team, like the team's the docs been, team, yeah. Docs team. Our community was calling out for us to do this like team KYC thing where you give your doc you give your identity to someone that can then make it public if you hack. They sent us this platform. That was like the one that was being used quite a lot. There were sort of two that were used quite a lot. And basically you had to pay like uh, quite a lot of money. It would have been like five grand, 10 grand. And then I like gave over my documents. So like scan of my driver's license and proof of my identity to this like random team of people that were not doxxed. And one of them, the, the founder of this one was literally called like El Chapo. And I was like, so <laughs> I was like, so I'm meant to send a scan of my driver's license and passport to some random person going under the name of a gangster that is not KYC'd. And there's also like 
I couldn't find any evidence of one of these KYC companies chasing someone up and getting mm. anything out of it. So it's like, I'm just giving my documents to some dude, paying him a ton of money. And then well, he's we just set up exchanges in your name now. Yeah. And, and then like, now he's going to, who knows what he's going doing with that. But also it provides no protection to anyone in the community because not, there's no, no one's ever been like chased up by this. And I'm sure there are some legit players in that space. Like I don't doubt it at all. There definitely would be, but it's just a weird, um, people throw those around as though it's safe. Like they go, oh, it's a KYC team and it's been audited. And it's like, what does that actually mean? Probably not a lot, except there's demand for it. So services get built around it that it's going to take advantage of that. Yeah, it's, it's, there's so much to this market. I mean, and as soon as you get deeper and deeper that you start, like, I think we're quite good at picking a lot of scams and staying on top of that meta, but a lot of people aren't. So it makes it really hard. Shaman man, uh, Generally, before we wrap up, we do like to ask uh, a question about mental health. Do you have any tips that we could give our listeners around mental health and what you do to sort of stay sane in these crazy times? Yeah, um, this is something because that's something I've been working on a lot recently is trying to be a bit more balanced because last year I spent heaps of time just sitting around looking at charts and i was traveling and like living in discord and twitter and stuff like that and i think what i was saying before of like try and keep things in in perspective focus on what's happening in real life i would also just say try and have things like a few things in life that you're getting joy out of so like if you're like love cryptocurrency and you're really passionate about it it can be really tempting to like absolutely send it and build your whole life around that i think it's super important to have like balance whether that's something as simple as like you were saying you love like keeping bees like having these little side hobbies Mm. uh, it can seem like a waste of time and especially in this weird like grind set thing of like you need to be working all the time it's just like I, i don't really agree with that at all like some of the most productive people that i know they cram in like lots of different hobbies and things like that uh, into their life and i think it's like having that balance really gives you because if you're sitting there in the headspace of like cryptocurrency all the time you're just going to get stuck in the same thoughts and mm. if those thoughts are negative if the market's going bad you're just surrounded by that if you have like i don't know i really like going to the beach going for a swim or hanging out with mates in something unrelated you get this sort of context switch into a new headspace and then when you switch back you come with these like fresh eyes and i think that's like super important for mental health and then also it's going to make you more productive you get more done because when you get in those little ruts like writer's block or when you get stuck learning about something it's getting away from it and coming back that's going to help you snap into it it's not sitting there Mm. in that same headspace just drilling yourself over and over again i really vibe with that i think that's one of the because that's me all over and i think that's one of the best pieces of uh, mental health advice i've heard in the whole time i've asked that question because yeah, it's it's super true. Break that, do something else, come back, have a break. Stable Shaman Man, thank you so much for making the time out to come on. I definitely would love to have you on again because I still feel there's so much more to touch on. Um, markets are crazy, but guys, we'll put up all the links. Make sure you like, follow, and uh, also guys, for everyone listening coming up, we do have two cracker events on the horizon. We have NFT Sydney coming up. We have Future Art coming up. We're going to put some links for all that in there as well. Make sure you get your tickets. Make sure you subscribe, follow, tell your family, tell everyone. DJ Aussie Apes and we'll see you soon.